God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I'm joined by Leonor Kavoda. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. Yeah, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, today's uh, not just another day. <laughs> it's not just another day. It's an historic day, the swearing-in of the 46th president, but it's also a day where we say goodbye to the 45th president, Donald That's J. Right. Trump, a man with a tremendous amount of accomplishments. Never forget that. No, we have um, – uh, basically, if you go to the uh, – ScottAdamsShow.com or RedStateTalkRadio.com. We have the video up uh, showcasing um, some things that are live uh, that are going on in our video uh, window. And uh, uh, we can see um, all the the events that are going to be unfolding today. And uh, um, President Trump, it's going to be, I think, since 1837 uh, that uh, President Trump and you know, well, the, pre- the the current president and the successor to the presidency, the next president, will be riding down uh, Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol to get sworn in. None of that's happening today. First time since 1837. <clears throat> and and neither neither was the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Neither was uh, any of these things. He also didn't leave the traditional letter for your successor. Right. uh, You know, tradition went out the window, and it's because I blame, wholeheartedly, I blame the mainstream media. They ruined America. And I think that China uh, played the mainstream media like fools. So the mainstream media really was just basically a dope, right? The biggest dope in the room. Well, John Le- John uh, Don Lemon uh, Don, Don Lemon Lamont, as Tucker yeah. likes to say uh, Don Lemon and Fredo and all those little suckers over there at CNN and MSNBC were played like dopes. They were rope doped and they were doped right into carrying the water for Mother China. And here's what we got for it. You know, we got this big, huge. Uh, 
crisis, in my opinion, um, because we have a we have an incoming president that was not duly elected by the people. He could barely spell his name. He could barely string a sentence together. He could barely do a lot of things. This guy was crying yesterday. Yeah. I mean, an incoming president that's crying his eyes out. Uh, and why was he crying? He's crying because he just couldn't believe he got there. He spent well, his whole life... Well, nobody can believe it. <laughs> he spent his whole life dreaming about being in the Oval Office and, 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 and clicking his fingers on the desk and just being in the Oval Office and being the most powerful man in the world. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. I'm just a, a guy from Scranton. Or where, where was I from? Oh, no, I mean, I'm from Delaware. I, I don't even know where I'm from. I rode the Amtrak every day. Yeah, I'm the Amtrak Joe. Um, Acela Joe, whatever. You know... The guy, the guy is not ready for prime time. He couldn't feel, fill the circles. And so nobody cares about Joe Biden. And where these voters came from? Yes, there was maybe 80 million Demo- registered Democrats. But 80 million registered Democrats didn't go out and vote. There was about 10 to 20 million people where they were given a ballot and they were processed a ballot. And they were then voted a ballot. So what happened was, in so many cases, and they got this archived, I mean, this is documented, is that these ballots were mailed out and processed on the same day. How in the world do you actually mail out a ballot and then process the ballot on the same day? So what they're doing, what they did, is they systematically exploited COVID, which was a gift from China, And the Democrat Party then carried the water for China because China didn't want to get past phase one. Why? Because it was too tough. We were treating them like adults and not a developing nation. And so China had to, you know, pay up, put up or shut up. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to buy up politicians like Joe Biden. We already have his son. His son's been sleeping with who? His niece? His son was sleeping with Malia Obama. His son was doing crack and lost his teeth. His son has been hidden the entire time. I mean, the the videos and the photographs I've seen aren't doctored. I mean, but the media just didn't want to cover it. But the idea is that Joe um, was exploited by China. But these votes that came in for Joe were electronically made, meaning that, typically speaking, the turnout rate for uh, a black community in Detroit is about 23%. And they got like 85 95%. So what they did was they turned those mail-in ballots. They, they put it in the system. Okay, this ballot's going to be mailed out to you. Well, it was never mailed. And then the ballot was not only created to be mailed out, but it was then processed on the same day. So that's like if I were to create an invoice, right? And I'm going to send the invoice out to you, the customer. But instead, I create the invoice. I never mail the invoice. And then I take your credit card and process it, right? Now I've just created an invoice and made the invoice paid in one day. That's exactly what they did with the ballot. They created the ballot 
and then they manufactured the ballot, they processed the ballot all in one day. And they did it for Joe Biden. And this was the systematic rigging. And you can't win an election if there's systematic rigging. And there's no way to police it because the police are getting paid by the crooks. And they're, 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 they're orderly police. What are you doing today, police officer? Uh, what I'm told. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm told. They said I have to go over here to this post and I have to watch over these people and I have to do this uh, beat. And that's it. Boom. Done. You know, so the, it's, the fix is in. And we have to fix that fix. We have to fix it. Because what we have is a guy that's entering Washington that was not duly elected by the American people. You know why I know that? You know why I know? Because so many people are unhappy today. Nobody's showing up for this guy. There's no love for Joe Biden. Every Democrat I have ever spoken with either didn't vote or voted for Joe Biden if they're a Democrat, right? They voted for Joe Biden. But... They didn't vote for Joe Biden. They, they it, voted against Donald Trump. It reminds me of when I was a young boy and I voted for John McCain. You weren't a young boy then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know the, the thing about no, it. No, but I held my nose. Well, well, I held my nose when, when I did that vote too. But the, but the but the point is with Joe Biden is he was the last. And he got like fifty something million, fifty three million or something. John exactly. McCain. He was the uh, Joe Biden was the last man standing on the dance floor after all those candidates, and there was no enthusiasm. He didn't campaign at all. How many and people? I, and I really believe, Scott, that he is going to be the proverbial Wizard of Oz, except he's not going to come along, come across as great and powerful. There, he's definitely going to always have a man or, oh, I'm sorry, a woman behind the curtain name is, named Kamala. Every single thing that Joe Biden says is focus group tested, uh, tried and approved by the Brookings Institution and the Atlantic Council, and cleared. By guys like Jake, Jake Sullivan. No, they're going to keep him, as I said on the show yesterday, on a very short leash. Right. Because they don't trust what he's going to say. They don't he's trust He's going him, to be man. extremely scripted and telegraphed. Right. Everything he says. He's not going to be gregarious. He's not going to answer questions on the fly. He's not going to take them. He's not going to walk a, hot, a high wire without a net. And today, you got 65,000. According to the, I've heard several reports, twenty to 25,000. Uh, I keep hearing that number, but we played for you yesterday a uh, National Guard general uh, who basically said, you know, we have 65,000 troops. I don't know if maybe he was talking about different uh, cities and across the country or what, but the, the idea is this. You got 65,000 uh, troops guarding 200,000 flags. That, to me, is insanity. But I'll tell you why they're doing it. It's a ruse. What they're doing is they're trying to sell the idea that Trump supporters are maniacs. Who what need to be deprogrammed. Yeah, they, they, yeah apparently. <laughs> we're, we're cultists. We need somebody to take us into a chamber and uh, deprogram us. So they're trying to sell the idea that Trump supporters... Just can't come to grips with, with reality. We're conspiracy nut jobs. We can't accept the results of the election, right. et cetera. And, 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 you know, we're only complaining about election fraud that did happen. And 
I'll take that to my grave. And that's my true belief. And and not only that, I think we're going to be able to prove that over the next couple of years, um, is that we're going to prove that election fraud happened. There's just no doubt about it. And we have to put an end to these uh, systematic riggings. Uh, there's got to be an oversight of some sort. And I don't think it's going to happen within the government. I think it's going to have to be outside of the government. I think it's going to have to be a nonprofit organization that is heavily funded and can can do the FOIA requests and get to the bottom of the election and, rigging. And yeah, and, and and there are loads of people who have those abilities out there. To, that's right. To do that type yeah, of oversight, something, something like that's going to have to happen. But the idea is that we have a system that needs to be fixed. And and the the um, you know the um, the system in place also. Uh, is highly exploitable. Biden is highly compromised. He's super, super duper compromised. And so is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, uh, I think it was Huckabee that already said he wants to impeach uh, Kamala Harris. Yeah. And the idea there is that she was financing and funding, uh, she was financing and funding um, bailout. Uh, bailouts of rioters. Yeah. So the people that were burning the buildings down and attacking the police and uh, pulling down statues, well, it was not only Biden's team that was financing the bailout funds, but it was also Kamala Harris that was purporting and supporting it. And nobody, nobody voted for Kamala. Nobody even likes Kamala. No, when she was a presidential candidate, she couldn't get any type of base. And so it was very curious that Joe Biden ended up picking her. But you know what happened, Scott. Somebody came to him and said, it's got to be Kamala. And, and, and that and, and, you know, It was so this, Obama that came to him. Yeah. Uh, see, Kamala is Obama's girl. So, um, you know, and that goes back to the Jesse Smollett thing because they're connected. They're related. Uh, Jesse Smollett and Kamala Harris are related. But the other part is they were pushing this anti-lynching bill. Again, trying to gaslight the American people. Gaslighting the American people to say uh, that the Trump supporters uh, can't leave Washington without an escort. Um, And they're going to try to say that they thwarted a whole bunch of um, explosive devices and plots to uh, blow up buildings and stuff. No, that was... That was the left, okay? That was the Weather Underground. That was um, William Ayers, the guy that Obama was connected with that blew up cap, uh, uh, federal buildings. That wasn't the Republicans. The Republicans never did that. Republicans are orderly people. We accept change. We accept transition. We don't fight it. <laughs> That's true. We don't. Yeah. We, we follow the laws. Um. And so what I was what I was saying is is yeah I mean that that's the uh, that's the, the that's the thing I mean the, the basically that um, when you have uh, uh, what they're doing is they're trying to say that there's a lot of uh, force out there and that the reason why the Republicans didn't show up to blow things up was because of the force that was in place and the force that was in place kept them from uh, entering Washington to do bad things. That's the narrative that they're going to paint. And they're spending all this money to paint that narrative, just like they spent all that money to put Bob Mueller into place 
40 million dollars later to come up with nothing the guy didn't even know what fusion gps was what an idiot what a moron right so we're not believing it but they can say all this stuff and they can make it up and they can try to gaslight the american people and you know that's the kind of thing that they're doing they're also trying to tar and feather feather the american people anybody who was perceived as a trump supporter you know, is going to be under a lot of scrutiny. And that includes the people who officially worked for Trump, people who've expressed support of Trump. And, you know, and that is a double standard for, you know, what we've seen in the past. We're supposed to be a country in which people have diversity of opinion and diversity of expression. As a result of election fraud and the gaslighting of American people, we have these fake candidates, Kamala Harris, nobody ever voted for her, and Joe Biden doesn't even know where he is right now. He, is he at the Blair House? I mean, no one knows. I mean, he doesn't even know where he is. But here's the thing. The idea is, is that I'm glad that President Trump is not shaking his hand and greeting, taking him to the White House and riding down Pennsylvania Avenue. Because it would be completely I'm, phony. I'm, I'm happy that we have a president that, that's authentic and true to his word. Um, and, and in this case, uh, you know, all the globalists are in one, one place. And they got 65,000 troops armed to the teeth. They got fencing like there's no tomorrow. They're going to stop building on the wall on the southern border. But they got wall going up everywhere, everywhere you could ever see in uh, D.C. So they love walls and guns when it comes when it's good for them, when it protects them. And they want to make sure that nothing happens because they know how evil and how corrupt and how guilty they are that they're not ruling out any possibility that somehow there's going to be a SWAT team in that's going to come in and get them at the 11th hour, right? So there's that. Now, the other part is this. If you start to see that there are inroads on the election front, the election fraud front, Mm -hmm. if you start to see inroads in that capacity... And you start to see wins in that capacity. I would say, because we have such a corrupt government, that there's no way that the government is going to allow itself to get exposed. Uh, If they don't want you to see it, you won't see it. Just look at Durham. Where the hell is he? Yeah, He's supposed to be a special counsel. He's supposed to deliver a report. He's like, what? Um, What kind of business is that that you could be like a year, year late? On your report. Um, You know, the most important report uh, that should have been wrapped up years ago, he's still hiding it, you know. And Lindsey Graham is lying through his teeth as well about who he subpoenaed. I mean, the idea is that all of these things are a bit of a ruse. So if the government, if, if you start to actually get wins and you feel good about Oh, well, my goodness, election fraud. Because, see, you could get Biden on Ukraine every day and Sunday. You can get Biden and Hunter on China. And you can impeach Biden. You can impeach Biden just from, from his cognitive skills and his brain. I mean, he, the guy's not that smart. So you could, you could do that. But then you would be stuck with Kamala. So my point is, is that Nancy Pelosi is the third in power. She's the third in charge. And you better believe that if you start to see inroads being made 
with respect to election fraud, you're going to then realize that this is probably going to happen. And that would be that even if you were to win the case about election fraud and you go into the um, Biden presidency for months and a year, maybe a year in, next thing you know, the election fraud is exposed. Nancy Pelosi then uh, becomes the president because Kamala and Biden both would be uh, denied. They would be both disqualified. And then you would have the legal argument, would Trump be able to come back in? And the legal argument would probably be no. They would probably figure out a way, because the government has more power than anybody, to prevent Trump from ever coming back. They would figure out a way to impeach him or do whatever. But they would figure out a way. But if you start to see wins in the in, on the front of election fraud, it's because Nancy Pelosi wants you to see those wins. Because the way you get to be the first female president, if you're Nancy Pelosi, is to take both Biden and Kamala Harris down at the same time. Because if you were to just take Biden down, which is easy peasy, right? You could easily take Biden down. Then you got Kamala Harris. That makes Obama happy, right? But Obama's, uh, then you got Kamala Harris as president. Who does she appoint? She appoints somebody that you don't even know who she's going to appoint, right? To be the vice president. And then when she goes, then that vice president may not have any dirt on them. So that doesn't help Nancy Pelosi become the first female president. No. Because Kamala would be the first female president. Yeah. So if you think about it, then Nancy Pelosi really has an incentive or some would say a conflict of interest in that concept that if you the, the way you take them both down is election fraud. The way you take just one person down is Ukrainian corruption or Chinese corruption. But taking one person down doesn't suit Nancy Pelosi at all. Taking both down at the same time is just as easy because election fraud did, in fact, happen. And you disqualify them both. And again, the patriots of America would rejoice. And it would be a bipartisan takedown and beatdown. And Nancy Pelosi could easily pull that off. But would Trump get back in if they were disqualified? I would say, yeah, that that should happen. But somehow the government would figure out how to rig that too. And Nancy Pelosi would get exactly what she wants. Because Nancy Pelosi is probably the most evil human being I've ever laid eyes on. More evil than Hillary Clinton? Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe so. I, You know, when, when Nancy Pelosi's daughter said, she'll cut off your head and you won't even know you're bleeding. Yeah. Bleeding. Yeah, I, when, when her daughter actually <clears throat> said that during an interview, her own daughter, I, I, I was floored. Yeah, and I, I said to myself, I'm a pretty tough guy. There's, you know, few people I would not want to be faced in a dark alley with. And one of them is Nancy Pelosi. A little old lady around 80 years old. Okay. <laughs> she, I've seen enough. Look. And look she's the, little. She's you look not. at the movie Gladiator, for yeah. example, right? I've seen that recently. And there is so much political backstabbing and people with daggers that stick them right into your, yeah. you know, into you. And uh, she, is, she is that evil woman with the dagger. 
And uh, I've seen her. She's thin-skinned. She's evil. And she's intolerant. Yeah. And she's just a nasty human being. And that's uh, the kind of person that could... I'm telling you, folks, I'm saying it right here, right now, that the play, if you see wins happening in the election fraud front, you're going to see an, uh, a... Uh, you're going to see the Democrats lose in a bipartisan way and to pave the way for a Nancy Pelosi presidency. And Kamala Harris would be irrelevant. That would not be the Obama play. That would be the Nancy Pelosi play. And so she would be basically the, the, the person that disrupted the apple card, so to speak. Because I think ultimately the Obamas would love to see a Kamala Harris as president. Anyway, we're going to play uh, some audio tape. Uh, we're going to play Trump's farewell speech. And uh, we're going to play that right now. My fellow Americans, four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes and we also want them to have luck, a very important word. I'd like to begin by thanking just a few of the amazing people who made our remarkable journey possible. First, let me express my overwhelming gratitude for the love and support of our spectacular First Lady, Melania. Let me also share my deepest appreciation to my daughter, Ivanka, my son-in-law, Jared, and to Baron, Don, Eric, Tiffany, and Lara, you fill my world with light and with joy. I also want to thank Vice President Mike Pence, his wonderful wife Karen, and the entire Pence family. Thank you as well to my Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, the dedicated members of the White House staff, and the Cabinet, and all of the incredible people across our administration who poured out their heart and soul to fight for America. I also want to take a moment to thank a truly exceptional group of people, the United States Secret Service. My family and I will forever be in your debt. My profound gratitude as well to everyone in the White House military office, the teams of Marine One and Air Force One, every member of the armed forces, and state and local law enforcement all across our country. Most of all, I want to thank the American people. To serve as your president has been an honor beyond description. Thank you for this extraordinary privilege. And that's what it is, a great privilege and a great honor. We must never forget that while Americans will always have our disagreements, we are a nation of incredible, decent, faithful, and peace-loving citizens who all want our country to thrive and flourish and be very, very successful and good. We are a truly magnificent nation. 
All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now more than ever, we must unify around our shared values and rise above the partisan rancor and forge our common destiny. Four years ago, I came to Washington as the only true outsider ever to win the presidency. I had not spent my career as a politician, but as a builder looking at open skylines and imagining infinite possibilities. I ran for president because I knew there were towering new summits for America just waiting to be scaled. I knew the potential for our nation was boundless as long as we put America first. So I left behind my former life and stepped into a very difficult arena, but an arena nevertheless with all sorts of potential if properly done. America had given me so much, and I wanted to give something back. Together with millions of hardworking patriots across this land, we built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. We also built the greatest economy in the history of the world. It was about America first because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Our agenda was not about right or left. It wasn't about Republican or Democrat, but about the good of a nation. And that means the whole nation. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close. We passed the largest package of tax cuts and reforms in American history. We slashed more job-killing regulations than any administration had ever done before. We fixed our broken trade deals, withdrew from the horrible Trans-Pacific Partnership and the impossible Paris Climate Accord, renegotiated the one-sided South Korea deal, and we replaced NAFTA with the groundbreaking USMCA. That's Mexico and Canada, a deal that's worked out very, very well. Also, and very importantly, we imposed historic and monumental tariffs on China, made a great new deal with China. But before the ink was even dry, we and the whole world got hit with the China virus. Our trade relationship was rapidly changing. Billions and billions of dollars were pouring into the U.S., but the virus forced us to go in a different direction. The whole world suffered, but America outperformed other countries economically because of our incredible economy and the economy that we built. Without the foundations and footings, it wouldn't have worked out this way. We wouldn't have some of the best numbers we've ever had. We also unlocked our energy resources and became the world's number one producer of oil and natural gas by far. Powered by these policies, we built the greatest economy in the history of the world. We reignited America's job creation and achieved record low unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women, almost everyone. Income soared, wages boomed, the American dream was restored, and millions were lifted from poverty in just a few short years. It was a miracle. Stock markets set one record after another 
with 148 stock market highs during this short period of time and boosted the retirements and pensions of hardworking citizens all across our nation. 401ks are at a level they've never been at before. We've never seen numbers like we've seen. And that's before the pandemic and after the pandemic. We rebuilt the American manufacturing base, opened up thousands of new factories, and brought back the beautiful phrase, made in the USA. To make life better for working families, we doubled the child tax credit and signed the largest ever expansion of funding for child care and development. We joined with the private sector to secure commitments to train more than 16 million American workers for the jobs of tomorrow. When our nation was hit with the terrible pandemic, we produced not one, but two vaccines with record-breaking speed, and more will quickly follow. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. They called it a medical miracle, and that's what they're calling it right now, a medical miracle. Another administration would have taken three, four, five, maybe even up to 10 years to develop a vaccine. We did it in nine months. We grieve for every life lost, and we pledge in their memory to wipe out this horrible pandemic once and for all. When the virus took its brutal toll on the world's economy, we launched the fastest economic recovery our country has ever seen. We passed nearly $4 trillion in economic relief, saved or supported over 50 million jobs, and slashed the unemployment rate in half. These are numbers that our country has never seen before. We created choice and transparency in healthcare, stood up to Big Pharma in so many ways, but especially in our effort to get favored nations clauses added, which will give us the lowest prescription drug prices anywhere in the world. We passed VA choice, VA accountability, right to try, and landmark criminal justice reform. We confirmed three new justices of the United States Supreme Court. We appointed nearly 300 federal judges to interpret our Constitution as written. For years, the American people pleaded with Washington to finally secure the nation's borders. I am pleased to say we answered that plea and achieved the most secure border in U.S. history. We have given our brave border agents and heroic ICE officers the tools they need to do their jobs better than they have ever done before and to enforce our laws and keep America safe. We proudly leave the next administration with the strongest and most robust border security measures ever put into place. This includes historic agreements with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, along with more than 450 miles of powerful new wall we restored American strength at home and American leadership abroad. The world respects us again. Please don't lose that respect. We reclaimed our sovereignty by standing up for America at the United Nations and withdrawing from the one-sided global deals that never served our interests. And NATO countries are now paying hundreds of billions of dollars more than when I arrived just a few years ago. It was very unfair. We were paying the cost for the world. Now the world is helping us.
And perhaps most importantly of all, with nearly $3 trillion, we fully rebuilt the American military, all made in the USA. We launched the first new branch of the United States Armed Forces in 75 years, the Space Force. And last spring, I stood at Kennedy Space Center in Florida and watched as American astronauts returned to space on American rockets for the first time in many, many years. We revitalized our alliances and rallied the nations of the world to stand up to China like never before. We obliterated the ISIS caliphate and ended the wretched life of its founder and leader, al-Baghdadi. We stood up to the oppressive Iranian regime and killed the world's top terrorist, Iranian butcher Qasem Soleimani. We recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. As a result of our bold diplomacy and principled realism, we achieved a series of historic peace deals in the Middle East. Nobody believed it could happen. The Abraham Accords opened the doors to a future of peace and harmony, not violence and bloodshed. It is the dawn of a new Middle East, and we are bringing our soldiers home. I am especially proud to be the first president in decades who has started no new wars. Above all, we have reasserted the sacred idea that in America, the government answers to the people. Our guiding light, our North Star, our unwavering conviction has been that we are here to serve the noble, everyday citizens of America. Our allegiance is not to the special interests, corporations, or global entities. It's to our children, our citizens, and to our nation itself. As President, my top priority, my constant concern, has always been the best interests of American workers and American families. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most difficult. I did not seek the path that would get the least criticism. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. This, I hope, will be our greatest legacy. Together, we put the American people back in charge of our country. We restored self-government. We restored the idea that in America, no one is forgotten because everyone matters and everyone has a voice. We fought for the principle that every citizen is entitled to equal dignity, equal treatment, and equal rights, because we are all made equal by God. Everyone is entitled to be treated with respect, to have their voice heard, and to have their government listen. You are loyal to your country, and my administration was always loyal to you. We worked to build a country in which every citizen could find a great job and support their wonderful families. We fought for the communities where every American could be safe and schools where every child could learn. We promoted a culture where our laws would be upheld, our heroes honored, our history preserved, and law-abiding citizens are never taken for granted. Americans should take tremendous satisfaction in all that we have achieved together. It's incredible. Now, as I leave the White House, I have been reflecting on the dangers that threaten the priceless inheritance we all share. As the world's most powerful nation, America faces constant threats and challenges from abroad. 
But the greatest danger we face is a loss of confidence in ourselves, a loss of confidence in our national greatness. A nation is only as strong as its spirit. We are only as dynamic as our pride. We are only as vibrant as the faith that beats in the hearts of our people. No nation can long thrive that loses faith in its own values, history, and heroes. For these are the very sources of our unity and our vitality. What has always allowed America to prevail and triumph over the great challenges of the past has been an unyielding and unashamed conviction in the nobility of our country and its unique purpose in history. We must never lose this conviction. We must never forsake our belief in America. The key to national greatness lies in sustaining and instilling our shared national identity. That means focusing on what we have in common, the heritage that we all share. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions. In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. We just don't do that. America is not a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. That's not who we are. It will never be who we are. For nearly 250 years, in the face of every challenge, Americans have always summoned our unmatched courage, confidence, and fierce independence. These are the miraculous traits that once led millions of everyday citizens to set out across a wild continent and carve out a new life in the Great West. It was the same profound love of our God-given freedom that willed our soldiers into battle and our astronauts into space. As I think back on the past four years, one image rises in my mind above all others. Whenever I traveled all along the motorcade route, there were thousands and thousands of people. They came out with their families so that they could stand as we passed and proudly wave our great American flag. It never failed to deeply move me. I knew that they did not just come out to show their support of me. They came out to show me their support and love for our country. This is a republic of proud citizens who are united by our common conviction that America is the greatest nation in all of history. We are and must always be a land of hope, of light, and of glory to all the world. This is the precious inheritance that we must safeguard at every single turn. For the past four years, I have worked to do just that. From a great hall of Muslim leaders in Riyadh to a great square of Polish people in Warsaw, from the floor of the Korean Assembly to the podium at the United Nations General Assembly, and from the Forbidden City in Beijing to the shadow of Mount Rushmore, I fought for you, I fought for your family, I fought for our country. Above all, I fought for America and all it stands for, and that is safe, strong, proud, and free.
Now, as I prepare to hand power over to a new administration at noon on Wednesday, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. There's never been anything like it. The belief that a nation must serve its citizens will not dwindle, but instead only grow stronger by the day. As long as the American people hold in their hearts deep and devoted love of country, then there is nothing that this nation cannot achieve. Our communities will flourish. Our people will be prosperous. Our traditions will be cherished. Our faith will be strong. And our future will be brighter than ever before. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart and optimistic spirit and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come. Thank you and farewell. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Wow, that's a great speech. And, uh, you know, he never said the name Joe Biden. Yep, I caught that, but still an incredible speech. Yeah, and I'm glad he didn't. You know, Joe Biden didn't earn that spot. He uh, he benefited from a rigged election. I don't think he had a lot to do with the rigging, but I think he knew about it. And I think he's a fraudulent uh, president-elect uh, uh, right now. And we'll see what happens in the coming future. Uh, one of the things I wanted to report to before we get into the live speech, and that is um, that uh, or today's speech, I should say, it's not live. Um, but uh, Kudlow, you know, said, you know, that uh, Trump's January 6th rally, he took things too far. I disagree. Uh, I just think that, you know, like Trump just said in his farewell speech, you know, if we can't speak, you know, this political correctness stuff, you know, where you where you say one word and all of a sudden uh, someone else's reaction to that word is your responsibility. And I say that's just complete bunkus. It's, it's absolute ridiculousness to be held accountable for the actions of somebody else based on a word that you said that triggered them. But you know, and even his son if the came word out wasn't word, explicit. And his son came out with the book Triggered, right? Um, but um, Trump's speech, he said, does anyone, okay, so, does see, he said, uh, you know, fight, fight, fight. But on the same token, he also said, peacefully and patriotically protest. Exactly. So you, you can't just cherry pick a word. Here, especially when you got Maxine Waters saying, you go out, you create a crowd, you, you, you make them their lives miserable. Um, but, you know, it's the two, two standards. So, you know, even someone like Kudlow, who, you know, I believe cares and loves the president, um, you know, for him to say that is to, to sort of equivocate a little bit. And you don't want to give these monsters on the left one ounce of wiggle room, not one ounce, because they haven't earned it. So let's go ahead and take a listen to President Trump on his way out of D.C. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. They love him. He is, he is the president that people love. The people love. Uh, the people's president. And we love you. And I can tell you that from the bottom of my heart. This has been an incredible four years. Uh, we've accomplished so much together. I want to thank all of my 
family and my friends and my staff and so many other people for being here. I want to thank uh, you for your effort, your hard work. People have no idea how hard this family worked. They worked, and they worked for you. They could have had a much easier life, uh, but they just they did a fantastic job. I just want to thank all of you, everyone. Uh, I want to thank Mark Meadows, who's here, someplace right there. I want to thank Mark. But it's been, uh, it's been something very special. We've accomplished a lot. Our First Lady has been a woman of great grace and beauty and dignity. And so popular with the people, so popular with the people. In fact, honey, would you like to say a few words, please? Being your first lady was my greatest honor. Thank you for your love and your support. You will be in my thoughts and prayers. God bless you all. God bless your families. And God bless this beautiful nation. Thank you. What else has to be said, right? But what we've done, that's true, honey, great job. What we've done has been amazing by any standard. We rebuilt the United States military. We created a new force called Space Force. That in itself would be a major achievement for a regular administration. We were not a regular administration. We took care of the vets, 91% approval rating. They've never had that before. The vets have given us the VA. The vets have given us an approval rating like uh, has never been before. We took care of our vets and our beautiful vets. They were very badly treated before we came along. And uh, as you know, we get them great service and we pick up the bill and they can go out and they can see a doctor if they have to wait long periods of time. We got it so that we can sadly uh, get rid of people that don't treat our vets properly. We, had, we didn't have any of those rights before when I came on, so our vets are happy, our people are happy, our military is thrilled. We also got tax cuts, the largest tax cut and reform in the history of our country by far. Say we built it twice, and uh, you're going to see scene developed in nine months instead of nine years or five years or uh, during that it also that he had over this uh bringing business they've i'm sorry about that been um subject to we, uh we, we, proud we lost that feed and we're trying to get it back um that's a bummer um so okay all right, we, we, we lost. Oh, here's the, here's the ending of the speech. Always fight for you. I will be watching, I will be listening, and I will tell you that the future of this country has never been better. I wish the new administration great luck and great success. I think they'll have great success. They have the foundation to do something really spectacular. And again, we put it in a position like it's never been before, despite the worst plague to hit since, I guess you'd say 1917, over a hundred years ago. And despite that, despite that, the things that we've done have been just incredible. And I couldn't have done, them, done it without you. So just 
a goodbye. We love you. We will be back in some form. Uh -huh. And again, uh, I want to just in leaving, I want to thank our Vice President, Mike Pence and Karen. I want to thank Congress because we really worked well with Congress, uh, at least certain elements of Congress. But we really did. We've gotten so much done that nobody thought would be possible. But I do want to thank Congress. And I want to thank all of the great people of Washington, D.C., all of the people that we worked with to put this miracle together. So have a good life. We will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So that's uh, that is an amazing um, that was an amazing uh, farewell. I love the fact that he didn't acknowledge Biden. Right. Biden is not my president. He's not um, a president of the people. He's a president of the swamp. He's a president of the globalists. Uh, if you take a look at the inauguration flags, they're flags from every country. Um, He's, they're building fences around uh, Washington, uh, uh, the Washington politicians, and they're uh, surrounding themselves with guns. But yet, the first matter of business for them is to stop building the wall on the southern border yeah. that protects all of you, right, the American people. A little bit of hypocrisy. Yeah. So there's that, and um, you know, uh, just for the the people out there that want to start a third party. I say that's not the solution to the problem. The solution to the problem is to uh, become a freedom caucus. And we're starting a group. There's going to be several groups. There's going to be plenty of groups that are going to rise up and they're going to fight the fight within the GOP and hold people like Rona, Rona McDaniel accountable for her defeats. And for her swampness and her her rhino uh, candidates, someone needs to hold these people accountable. And so, what we are going to do is start the MAGA pack, and you can check it out. It's uh, not been developed yet, but yet you go there and you'll see our mission statement. It's magapack.org, and check it out. And basically, we are going to take the fight. We are going to take names. We're not going to take any. You know, we're we're going to take names, and we're going to go after these people. Liz Cheney's high up on the list. A lot of these candidates are going to be high up on our list. Kinzinger's on our list of people that we're going to go after. And we're going to primary them the hell out of office. That's exactly what we're going to do. And we're going to say a bon farewell to the greatest president that we have ever seen in our lifetime. And, the plane and that's President is, Donald J. Trump. The, and the plane is taxiing as we speak. Yeah. On our on our screen. Okay. So we are saying farewell. Right. And I'm holding farewell up, to the president. And I'm holding up my my mug. Your MAGA mug. My, my MAGA yeah. mug. And I'm going to tip my MAGA hat to the president and fond farewell. And I love the fact that we're in some form we're going to be back. I like that. And with that, my name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Cravota. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now.